every election ever and beer. The election of 1816 today. On the road. On the road. Guys, it's, it's road nice game. to meet you, Eddie. Yeah. Hey, cheers to you. Yeah. For the first time, we're all in the same room. Let's clink a few glasses. Clink. I feel like a beer drinker now. Clink. <laughs> <laughs> Side note, <laughs> just because you drink a beer... <laughs> and then get around beer drinkers who are actually drinking beer, your cider does magically become a I've, beer. I've drank more beers in the past uh, month than I have ever in my life. But are you working out to, to offset the beer gut? Absolutely not. I'm, I'm working on a nice beer gut. You're working on your before pictures. That's, a, that's a cider gut. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We are at the Wonderlinger Brewery in Chattanooga. Yes, we are. It's a beautiful facility, by it the is. way. It's in the warehouse district. It's uh, which is a reclaimed area of Chattanooga. It's it's uh, near the Chattanooga Choo Choo Hotel. It's a really cool area. Election of eighteen sixteen t- uh, today. Um, are you going to tell us about your beer first? Oh yeah. What are yeah. you drinking? Okay, so this is all from Wonderlinger, by the way. So this is Wonderlinger, and I'm having the Appalachian. Oh, tell us about what does it say? So it's, it's a more complex than a brown ale, but it's very much a brown ale. Yeah. It's a German ale that exhibits notes of chocolate, banana bread, and caramel. Now I hate caramel. Banana bread. The first thing I smelled was banana, and I was wow. like, I'm not really big on sweet, Yeah, but it's a really, really tasty beer. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, to me, I'd consider a medium-bodied beer, which, of course, is what they've got it at as well. Um, it tastes much like a lager, um, but yeah. it's, I think it's, it's kind of that in-between of a, a lager and a porter. Gotcha. Um, but I would probably put it in that Bach, you know, that brown ale type thing. Can so. someone translate for me? Well, box, box just beer, you know, beer good. It's just that in between. It's like a brown brown beer, you know. By the way, I talked to Sunshine behind the bar. Yes, yes, and she said that German style is the style of this brewery. So if you like that, obviously, Wonderlinger. What yeah. gave it away, Matt? I know. Sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm stating the obvious on this show. That's what I do. I'm having the Beach Bottom Ghost, traditional German sour ale, perfect for hot weather days. Uh, I can actually tolerate it. It tastes pretty good, so I think it must be. A, a feminine beer. I don't know. <laughs> what What does it taste like, Matt? It has a little bit of sour taste. <laughs> does it? At that first, yeah. Shoot. But it's but, it, but it's actually pretty smooth. It, it does have the sour at the beginning. Can you um, taste the salt? Uh, no, you cannot. And that's one thing she said up there. I don't, I don't, get, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. What, what do you mean? Can you taste the salt? That's actually how they brew the ghost beer. It's not really. It's not really sour. It's more salty. And that's what she said. But it, but yep. it tastes sour, but it's brewed with tons of salt. Really? Yeah. So yeah. it's like a beer pretzel. You, you just throw the pretzel straight into the beer. You put mustard in that thing. Yeah, exactly. It's got a hint of mustard. <laughs> that's from my shirt. <laughs> the front of your shirt. <laughs> what are you drinking, Eddie? Uh, I have the Buzzards Coffee Porter. It is fantastic. I'm, that's going to be my number two. I'm doing that next. He doesn't have much of it left. Yeah, Eddie, well, Eddie can chug a beer. Well, as we as we found out in the first our first episode, Eddie doesn't mess around with his beer. No, they don't last very long. <laughs> He's actually raising his hand to get a refill. Bam! This is not Next. McDonald's, dude. You got to pay for the second one. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so far, so good. I'm pretty impressed here. Yeah. I mean, it's um, pretty cool. As reclaimed buildings go, it's always nice to have something that you know, rather than tearing it down and building something new, it's very fresh. Um, they've done a really good job with the the building itself. Um, the neighborhood is not quite as sketch as it was 10, 15 years ago when I yeah. started calling on, on uh, Chattanooga. 
Um, but I'm interested to see, you know, it's, um, if you're in Chattanooga, I would definitely recommend yeah, come check it out. We're going to talk to one of the brewers later in the second. Looking show forward to that video, one. Yeah. It should be yeah. cool. So, but this one is the election of 1816, 1816. Yes. And our, our resident, um, expert from Georgia <laughs> military <laughs> Institute, um, is, uh, is with us. Sweating Eddie it. He's sweating it today. No, 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 no. <laughs> He's got his hat turned around backwards. Tell us everything about the election of 1816. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm excited. Although, it's so hard to concentrate on an election when there's so much brewing going on behind me. I just want to go back there. I want a tour of the brewery. I want to find out, you know, about their whole process. That's what... It's much more interesting than elections, to be honest, but... Because Eddie is is a brewer now. Uh, of sorts. Uh, what, would you con- what would you consider yourself now? I mean, you've one batch down. It was successful. Have you caught the bug? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm like telling my wife, yeah, I'm probably going to open a brewery. She's like, dude, you made you made two gallons of beer. <laughs> I, I don't think you're there yet. <laughs> I, I don't know much about brewing, but that equipment back there looks really, really expensive. I would think there's a little bit of a startup. Uh, I would say the overhead at the beginnings is pricey, yeah. Yeah. Got to charge yeah. a lot for your beer. Yeah, um, it's time to turn it over to the real expert here. This is about Madison, right? No, it's Monroe. Monroe, Monroe. sorry, yeah. Monroe. Yeah. And and by the way, Monroe is Eddie's favorite president or most underrated president of all time. I don't know about favorite, but start from the beginning, man. Tell us all about Monroe. All right, let's go way back in time. Let's rewind it to the Revolutionary War. Okay. And I've talked about on this on the show before, but if people don't remember or maybe this is the first episode that they've listened to, famously, uh, the, the painting of Washington crossing the Delaware. Yep. The guy right behind Washington holding the flag is Lieutenant James Monroe. And once they're finished crossing the Delaware, they get to the other side, and there's a battle against some Hessians. Uh, In New York there, and James Monroe is part of that battle, and he takes a musket ball to the chest and nearly dies. (laughs) So he is automatically tougher than any dude in the room. Yeah. That's right. He's got got that going for him. A musket ball in the chest. What do you do when you get a musket ball in the chest? I mean, do you you continue to fight, or do you go to the the infirmary? (laughs) Uh, I mean, there wasn't anywhere to go at that point. He had to do something, right? I guess you just rub some dirt in it. I mean, yeah. that, during a debate, right, you got one guy up there talking about what he's done, and then Monroe just opens his shirt and shows the big scar. Yeah. It's Mu- like musket ball. Debate over. You can still feel it. <laughs> old, <laughs> old musket ball Monroe again. That's Monroe a, said, I'm shot, I'm shot. Washington said, dude, get up and walk it yeah. off, yeah, man. Let's go. You got to walk it off. I'm George yeah. Washington. We're trying, to, we're trying to win this damn thing. <laughs> yeah, <right>. Get up. <laughs> so that's where, that's where the lore starts, obviously. Yeah. And... He's actually served uh, in Madison's cabinet as well, right? I mean, pretty much ran Madison's last uh, administration. Is that close to, to accurate? Yeah, yeah. And from, if we go back all the way to George Washington, Monroe is always uh, serving as a diplomat. Next to John Quincy Adams. Yep. I would say Monroe is probably the greatest diplomat in American history after John Quincy Adams. Yeah, I mean, he bought Louisiana and, and everything that came with it. That's right. Right, he was over there doing that. Yeah, he did it plenty potentiary, which means he had the full um, freedom to do it however he wanted, and he could make any deal that he wanted. Yeah. And 
uh, he was not authorized to spend $15 million to buy okay, all of so the Louisiana <laughs> There is territory. no way that in, in today's era that you would be allowed to do that, right? Well, unless, oh, you're, yeah. unless you're Congress and you delegate all your I mean, authority I mean, I, to the president. I'm, I'm making a point here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is there, is there any other example to give the viewers or the listeners something to connect this? Because this was a, such a huge transaction that it changed the complexion of, of not just America but the world. Um, and, but has there been anything in, in recent history that, that you could actually say it was like this in the world? Well, as far as Monroe goes, nobody is sent anywhere as a minister plenipotentiary anymore because now you can just text. But back then you sent somebody with the full power of the U.S. government, the full power to make the decisions because you couldn't communicate. It took two months to send. That's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, communication back in the day was what? This was before the Pony Express. There was a lot of trust you had to put in whoever you sent over there, clearly. Yeah. And, I mean, you— Think about this. It's like you almost send your kid out to buy something at the store, and you say, hey, just grab this. Just grab Louisiana when you're over there, okay? I need you to bring that home. And suddenly they get over there in front of Napoleon, and he's like, look, I got this whole swath of land to offer to you for however many million you're talking about. You came back with New Mexico, you exactly. idiot. I told you not to buy New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing out there. <laughs> But if you want, if you want an example of how slow the communication is at the time and how much it matters, yeah, um, our our uh, diplomats are sent over to work out a deal with England to get peace. Yep. They do that. They work out the Treaty of Ghent. They have a peace treaty. Two weeks later. Because nobody's heard about it, yeah. the British attacked New Orleans, and Andrew Jackson, um, just, you know, famously leads his uh, soldiers into the Battle of New Orleans. That is all fought two weeks after the Treaty of Ghent is signed and the war is over. So, yeah. I mean, did anyone? So, okay, okay, you can put your guns down. We're actually in a treaty now. <laughs> I mean. Not, yeah, but they didn't know. That's they, crazy. Because word moves so slowly across an ocean at Part the time. Part of Jackson's lore was after the treaty. That's, that's insane. It's almost in, like in a time of peace. Yeah, I mean, Eddie, that's funny. That's, that's interesting, a little bit about the War of 1812, because Eddie said walking up into the, to the brewery here, hey, we're going to talk about the, the volunteers today. Yeah. I'm like, no, we, we stink still at football. He's like, no, the real, the real volunteers. The, one, try, the ones that could win. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that hurts. That's like a musket ball to the it's chest. Not un- <laughs> it's not untrue. It's not untrue. <laughs> but apparently, there were a lot of uh, a, a lot of the Tennessee Volunteers were were around the War of eighteen twelve. I mean, right? Is that not where, where some of that started? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I was, well, mostly the Tennessee Volunteers. That's uh, Jackson is the leader of the Tennessee Volunteers, yep. and. Uh, they fight the Creek Wars throughout yeah. the War yeah. of 1812. The Creek Wars are a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, to me, it's, it's really, if you, if you go and look at um, nicknames um, of, of universities, um, Tennessee's got a really unique one. Yeah. I mean, as far as, you know, connective to, to, to history, mm-hmm. um, I'm very prideful of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's better than Alabama. Yeah. They don't even, they've got an elephant. They've got an elephant. What the yeah. F- Nobody knows what Come that means. Come on. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. So we've got a Madison administration. Second administration, the one we just talked about last episode, he basically says to Monroe, hey, I got this problem with the British. 
I want you to take over, Secretary of War, Secretary of State. I'm just going to hand you the keys to everything. Monroe takes over, clearly a smart guy, a good leader, already laying the groundwork to be, sounds like the next president, pretty clearly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, Madison had two secretaries of war before he decided to just put Monroe in. Yeah. Madison and Monroe have a little bit of a sketchy relationship. I mean, they got history, right? They, they sort of ran against each other last election. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And before that, they ran... Uh, for the same Senate seat years before that, and that really was a strain on their friendship. So back in Virginia, right? I mean, they're both from Virginia. Is that right? Yeah, and if Madison had not won that seat, if Monroe had won that seat instead of Madison, it really would have changed everything. Because uh, Madison goes to Congress... And what he does there is he writes the Bill of Rights. <laughs> That's pretty important. It's just this one little thing, the Bill of Rights. <laughs> yeah, and that gets, that gets passed through Congress. I mean, I'm sure somebody else would have done it. <laughs> What's it's the like big a, deal? It's like, a, like a, a, a dad or a father or a husband's excuse. When, when the, the house got clean, somebody would have done it. Listen, I mean, today the Bill of Rights isn't that important anyway. All right. We're willing to trample all over them, so we're good. <laughs> Uh, it lasted a good 200-plus years. No kidding. Yeah. Unbelievable. What's interesting about this election? I mean, it seems pretty benign. Well, you know what? There are a few things that are interesting about this election. Well, there's really not very much that's interesting about this election per se, except that we watch a party die, which yeah. is really every partisan's dream is to watch another party die. Yeah. Yeah. But the dynamics of a party dying are really interesting because what you discover when the other party dies pretty quickly is that your party exists to be against that other party. Yep. Yeah. And so one party dies and then there's one party for a minute and it's the era of good feelings and everyone yes. is enjoying it. It's good times. And then that party dies. Oh, because yeah. there's nobody to run again. There's no foil. Now, was the reason because there was the strength of these candidates, and kind of goes back to communication. It takes forever for word to spread, comparatively speaking to today. There was no internet back then. I there think. was no internet. I yeah. hear. Yeah. Um, but if you have you know a time where you know, the first election was a no brainer, of course it's going to be George Washington. Second election, Washington. Third yeah. election, Washington. And finally, you know, it's like, oh my God, it's not George Washington anymore. Who's it going to be? At that point, it's you know it really is kind of wild west because it's the it's it's really it's more about the weakness, especially after Madison. It's it's yeah. it's after the, it's more about the weakness of the available candidates rather than the strength of a party, right? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And today, uh, the elections that we're doing today are the end of an era, which is the era of the founders being president. And it's a special thing when you have these people who were there and, you know, they they fought in the revolution or, you know, they were in the uh, um, Continental Congress declaring independence or they were at the Constitutional Convention. Like Madison's the main character of the Constitutional Convention along with Hamilton. So you have all these characters who are part of the founding era. So... It's like these are the people who created America. Yeah. After 
We call Matt, uh, not Madison, we call Monroe the last cocked hat because he was the last guy to wear the tricorn hat that the founders used the to wear. The last cocked hat, yes. The last yeah. cocked hat. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he was the last guy to wear the knee breeches and the, the socks that you put up with garters. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? The, <laughs> well, Matt knows all about that yeah. as a crossdresser. <laughs> I'm, I'm an expert in, in that field. But that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Coming soon, guys. <laughs> On the trans network. <laughs> I'm not sure you can say that, but we did. Yeah. So I'm good with it. <laughs> I think now baseball players wear those again. They're coming back. They're called style. stirrups. And that's the, for men. The but anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like if people are offended by the show, they should... If they go on Twitter to complain, they should always complain about Scott specifically. Absolutely. Please. Absolutely. (laughs) But it does mean they're following us and interacting, which is a good thing. The the more people that follow us, by the way, Eddie's working his way towards a tattoo, which I I still don't believe, but I'm going to try to hold him to. We get 1,000 followers, he's going to get a bull moose tattoo. Oh, God, I love the bull moose party. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. I I think that's the one thing missing from from today's society is is Teddy Roosevelt. This is not an attractive moose that he's getting on his his body, though. So you're not talking about bullwinkle here. It's the face of Teddy Roosevelt (laughs) on the moose. (laughs) Yesterday, a guy on Twitter, (laughs) a guy on Twitter, there are a lot of people, Twitter historians, who think that they're like, yeah, uh, I watched a documentary, so don't try to tell me about history. He basically said Roosevelt wasn't that good. Yeah, he called me out. He was like, like, why don't you explain why you like Roosevelt and the bull moose party? And I was like, you know what? Don't mind if I do. I was at the mall shopping on Black Friday. I told my my wife. I told my wife, I got to go. I went to the Barnes and Noble. I sat down (laughs) in one of those comfortable chairs. And I wrote a nice 32 tweets about why I like Teddy (laughs) Roosevelt and the Bull Moose Party. And then he said, that's all I'm going to say for now. I mean, I could could go into much more. (laughs) You can read this far. I'll write more later. Well, I did give him some reading assignments. I said, that's great. (laughs) I said, if you want to know why I like Teddy Roosevelt as a person, read... The Rise of Teddy Roosevelt and Mornings on Horseback. If you want to know why I like Teddy Roosevelt as a politician, you should read Colonel Roosevelt uh, and Theodore Rex. Yeah, that's yeah. way too much reading for, for most people. Yeah. There you go. The Bull Moose Party. I love He's that T-shirt, Bull by Moose the way. T-shirt, yeah. Uh, so back to, back to Monroe, though. Is anybody even running against this guy to try to challenge him for the presidency, or is it pretty much – his to, to take. He does have a challenger, but yeah. the Federalist Caucus, because remember, we're still in an era when Congress is choosing the presidential candidates. Yeah. Fin- finally, they're choosing president and vice president on one ticket, right? But they're still picking their candidates. Yeah, it's, it's completely anathema to the Constitution yeah. because— I mean, it's a total separation of powers issue. The The Congress has no business choosing presidential candidates. Well, I wish they would learn that now, but okay. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> but we're in the era of the founders, and yeah. these guys who are the founders, they are, they are guys who become president of the United States because— because they earned it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, Because of resume. Yeah, it's almost your national right when you were part of. Yeah. You know, it's like, 
Well, why should I pick you for president? Well, because there was a war for us to be free, yeah. and I got this musket ball, yeah, I got a musket in, ball my in my chest. chest. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm president. That's yeah. all you need to know. Harumph. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> next, next, turn the page. <laughs> and and the Federalists, do they even nominate? I mean, I, I'm assuming Charles Pickney is not in the running again this time. No, it's just Rufus <laughs> King. But I mean, this is one of those things where Rufus King really was like, he, he'd he ran before in some regard, and he was like a washed out guy that, you know, it was, hey, next, next time, Rufus, give it your best shot. He gets beat two to one, you know? Yeah, and the Federalists didn't even choose him. They don't even bother picking candidates at this point. Because um, when we get to Monroe, uh, number one, Democratic Republicanism is everywhere except upper, upper New England. That's like the only place in America where Democratic Republicanism is not the ideology. It's okay. not the party. Yeah. There's There's, still Federalists there. They're still holding on to the old ways up there. Yeah. 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 Well, so much of their economy is based on the trade and the shipping. And so the rest of the country, the economy is not based on that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Their way of life is dependent on, you know, having trade with with, uh, France. Yeah. 100%. That's why they don't. That's why they're all anti-war. They want to allow the British to yeah. impress our uh, seamen and everything else. So yeah, sounds patriotic. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they lost. <laughs> so so Rufus King was just the next victim. Uh, it kind of was. I mean, it, he he wasn't he wasn't. A, I guess he was part of the founding fathers, right? But he wasn't such a person of status as Monroe. You wonder what happened to the sort of the Federalists. I wonder, do they still win these state and local elections, or do they pretty much die completely as a party after Madison Monroe sort of eliminate them them from the from the national scene? They'll be dead entirely soon, but yeah. as of now, they do. They are still a local party that wins Northeast, some elections. Yeah. They have a caucus. In Congress, though that caucus did not bother to even put forward a presidential candidate. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, Maybe they could have had John Quincy Adams, but John Quincy Adams uh, left the Federalist Party, much, much to the chagrin of his parents. I mean, I I feel like we— Yeah. (laughs) If mom is not happy, nobody's happy. I guess we'll talk about that two elections from now, but it does seem— like he would have had to have been a different party than his father to even successfully run for president, right? I mean, clearly his father still has some. I don't know if his well, I don't, I don't still know. Alive, I think the, the parties were so were so weak back then. I go back to the point earlier that it was more about the candidate and the notoriety of yeah. that particular candidate, and it was a they just in that era they just said, okay, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a Democratic Republican, whatever. I'm a Federalist, whatever. But more than that, I'm James Monroe. Well, plus, like you Eddie know. said, I mean, the Federalist platform pretty much was not needed at that point. I mean, we all agree oh, at spe- that point. No, I, I yeah, think we you're all right agree that. at that yeah. point we're going to be a federal government. We're going to abide by the Constitution. There's yeah. no more arguing over that about yeah. whether we're going to have states' rights or federal rights. And so by that point, you're kind of not needed anymore as a party. You've served your purpose. That's a really good point. What's interesting about that point that you just made is that the Democratic Republicans, if you look, they're expanding the powers of the federal government now. And that's part of why the federal party dies, because 
because the Democratic Republicans become Federalists. Yeah, that's true. You get yeah. in, you get into office by saying that you don't want to give any more money to to government and and tax and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then you become part of the machine and you start taxing. And, and it's, it's happening today, too, right? Like, what thing. has changed exactly? Yeah, you, you become part of the machine and suddenly you understand why you have to tax and all, where all this money has to go yeah. and you know yeah. all the decorum and all that kind of stuff. It, it's got to be very similar. Um, I was about to go back to, to modern day and say it really would make a lot of sense now for the for the Democrats not to forward an official nomination the way things are going. I mean, it just, just let <laughs> I mean, if you want to go off topic, I mean, the the best thing that could happen for our show at Politic and for society as a whole, just for good TV watching, is for this thing to go to the convention. Oh, it's going to go down to the wire. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> we will not relish that at all. But anyway, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's unbelievable, as long as we're talking about this yeah. stuff. I mean, we're we're at the Wanderlinger. We're just having a special episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's just talk about it. Um it's gonna go. It's gonna be a brokered convention. There's no way. Like, it is already. What are we? One, one and a half months from people actually voting in Iowa, yeah. and and right now, the person at the top of the polls is under thirty yes. percent. I've yep. never. I, I can't ever remember anything like it. Even even when you had such an incredibly divided first episode of, of debates when Trump was running in 16, um, he was still in that 25, 28%. Yeah. And after the, the first, after Iowa, I don't think he ever dipped under 35, 40%. I mean, he, he washed the floor with everyone else. You have the op- you have the chance of seeing after Iowa with the Democrats um, in, in 2020, in this particular go-around, you have the chance to see that after Iowa, it gets even more convoluted. Yeah, because Bloomberg's not on the ballot. Well, after Iowa, you go to New Hampshire, which yeah. uh, booted edge is actually is actually, you know, polling very high. But then you've got the the advent of of Bloomberg, which is going to is going to is going to he's got, Bloomberg's going to get every vote in New England after you know probably after New Hampshire. But then everybody's got to go down south. Yeah, I mean that's Biden territory. It is but absolutely, it, it's Biden, Biden territory. territory. But does Biden have the gonads to, or the the stickability to to actually make it to the South? It's the craziest thing I've ever seen, man. I know you're on predict it a lot. I, it, the fluctuation is way worse than any kind of stock market, any kind of like penny stock or anything like that. Because for a while it looked like Warren was going to run away with it, you know, from just watching her stock. She's tanked, man. She's tanked again. Oh, she's. Hey. Yeah. It's been yeah. like, I mean, it's duck season, so I'll use the analogy. It was like a mallard getting shot off the water. <laughs> She's no more. Yeah, yeah, Medicare for all annihilated her because. It really did. And they're not talking about that, which yeah. is disappointing to me as someone that used to aspire to be a journalist. They're not talking about the reason. They're, they're trying to make, oh, she just lost popularity because of Bloomberg or yeah. Booted Edges now is, is all the way. No, no, no. People have said we don't want that type of platform. Yeah. So they've changed. They've they've moved on from her. They're not talking about that because, in a lot of ways, I think for the Democratic Party to be successful, they're they've they're lock, stock, and barrel for this this universal health care thing. Yeah. I try not to make many partisan comments, but I really hope they go the way of the Federalists after this election. <laughs> 
And that would be awesome. hey, listen, <laughs> listen, I don't think you want that. And I'm, I hate to bring it back to seriousness here, but you know what we found in a lot of ways is we found in the past 10, 15 years, if you go past the two-party system, a third-party candidate, and just the, as an independent, you get into the crazies. Yeah. And that's not what we want. <laughs> right. Because you, um, the Tea Party, it seemed so pure and authentic in the beginning. And then after about six and a half hours, it was like, oh, my God, what did we do? I mean, it really was. It's kind of scary. Same thing with, you know, this, this, this democratic liberalism here, this democratic socialism, that it's just, it, it just it's going to go far too, too left or far too right. As, as a political science professor, we, we talk about this all the time, but do you ever foresee us having the rise of another party that's going to be of national prominence? I mean, why couldn't we have that? It, I don't see it happening. But it's happened throughout history. I've got know? an opinion on this, yeah. but I want, I want your opinion as well. The problem is people are too – it's not a problem. I actually am a big proponent of two parties. Yeah. That's why I always want – even though I prefer the Republican Party, I like the Democratic Party to stay strong yeah. always because when you have two strong parties, that's the best thing that can happen to you. Yeah. But – um, what did you ask me again? Uh, do you ever foresee a third? Ever, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's what happens when you have a, a um, show to brewery. The <laughs> problem is anytime there's a third party, someone will be smart enough to absorb it. Uh, because yeah. that's the way that our parties operate now. Like, you see these parties come and they disappear. Like, in a couple elections, we'll get to, you know— um, the Democrats will arise, and then the Whigs will arise in response to the Democrats, yes. and then the Whigs will die, and then the Republicans will uh, come up, and then it'll be the Democrats and the Republicans for uh, 150, 60 years after that until we get to today. Yeah. And the reason is because the parties learn to absorb any other sort of third party that crops up, that they absorb it. Yeah. What were you going to say, Scott? I think that America likes it. I think America likes the banter. They like one good versus evil, the yin to the yang. They like the, the, the position versus the juxtaposition. Yeah. And I think that it, the reason they like that is because, in a lot of ways, it's become profitable. Yeah. And if you look at anything about America, whether you hate, love it or hate it, it we, we like profits here in America. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, if the Democrats have a message, you know, you're guaranteed 50 percent, 48 percent, 51 percent of the juxtaposition. Yeah. That makes a lot of money. And I think America is addicted to that as a as a as a business money making machine, because if, for instance, I think Elizabeth Warren's a great example of that. Um, you know, you have someone that has a, has a radical idea to do, you know, a, a single-payer, um, you know, proposal for health care. Well, it's, un, it's unpopular. Yeah. The juxtaposition of that is to have uh, public, publicized health care where you have total choice. Well, there's money to be made in that position, just like there's money to be made in her position. So I think America, in, by, and, by and large, is addicted to that, that yin and yang approach to politics. I think that's 100% right. And um, to get into it, like uh, 
you know, from a pragmatic approach, if you go back to the very beginning, there's always two parties. There's the Democratic Republicans and there's the Federalists. And then there's the Democrats and then there's in the Whigs. And then there's the Democrats and the Republicans. The reason is our Congress is not a parliament. Both houses of our Congress are set up for two parties. Right. There's a majority party and there's a minority party. Yep. And there's that's a really good point. Other people who have zero power at all. So if you're not part of the majority party or the minority party in our Congress, then you literally are the, powerless. The, the way we caucus, you're powerless. Well, think yeah. about this too. When I was hearing guests talk, I'm thinking about other countries, right, that have all these parties, and I'm thinking it's very much like the presidential campaign for the Democrats right now. When we're talking about somebody's looking to get 30 percent to be the champion. And I don't really want my party to be satisfied with getting 30% and being this, – this is enough for me to pass whatever I need to pass, right? Or, or to say I've got the support of the majority of the country. At least with two parties, you at least have to get 51%, or, or ideally you have to do that, right? So we got health care rammed through our throats because 60% of Americans voted for this people, not 40%, or however you want to assume, right? And so like with our president last time around with Trump. 51% of the Republicans probably didn't support Trump because there were so many people running, right? The less candidates you have, the more they have to kind of be mainstream. The mm-hmm. more they have to kind of say, I've got to win over at least 51% of the population. Now the Democratic, you know, the Democrats don't have to do that. It's, it's going to be, to your point, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the next 8, 12, 16 years with the advent of these more of an outlier type of, you know, the, the Democratic Socialists, um, as they get on the scene, what type of effect they have on on the two party system? Yeah, let's get let's get back to Monroe in the election. Yeah, well, we're, right now what we're talking about with Monroe in the election is uh, we're about to enter the era of good feelings. Yeah, and during the era of good feelings, when Monroe is president, there's only one political party, and it's actually it actually turns out to be a really bad thing because. The political parties police each other, and now there's now that there's only the Democratic Republicans, there's nobody to police them, yeah. mm, and yeah. corruption starts to rear its head a little bit. Yeah, that's where we get really good at corruption. Exactly. Right. That's that's the corruption <laughs> season. Uh, it looks like to me that that Monroe just kills King again. Uh, in in the electoral vote, it doubles them up, man. Yeah, I'm seeing one eighty three to thirty four. King does still carry a few states, which is what Eddie was talking about. He still carries. Uh, looks like Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Delaware. Uh, he's still carrying. So, again, you know, northeastern states, but also coastal states, which I think is another thing, right? You know, you got the shipping and the trade and all that stuff still going it, it on. It makes total sense what you said right. earlier, Eddie. But I'm guessing that's going to fade even more as we go, right? I mean, I, I guess Monroe could even win more states the next time around. I don't know how that happens. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of this happens happens to do with with the geography of what's going to happen yeah. in America. People are going to start moving west. Yeah. And as you start moving west, in, enter in more of your Irish Catholics um, and your Italians into um, into New England. So it's not just. The, the aristocracy of England and France, yeah. there's a different type of voter that's going to become on the that's going to come on the scene in the next you know couple of elections. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What else do we need to know? Is that pretty much it about this? Election? Um, let me just say uh, Monroe becomes 
he's Secretary of State, becomes Secretary of War. He's a great Secretary of War. I mean, Monroe is literally, uh, he has a hammock in his office. Yeah, I like this guy already. He's yeah. like Bruce Polkman. <laughs> he's got a bed in his office, yeah. He's using that hammock one hour a night. Wow. And so he's up 23 hours doing his, running this war. And he's sleeping in the hammock that one hour, and then he's back up. Uh, he's a workhorse. Okay, I did not know that. That's insane. That's crazy. Yeah, that Monroe is all, and he's got two jobs. He's Secretary of War and he's Secretary of State. And back then, that's like half the damn cabinet. So, folks out wow. there, if you're sleeping more than a couple hours a night, you're not he's very in, successful. He's not impressed. Yeah, you're not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> you got to sleep less. He's a he's a true patriot. He's um. Right now, now that's for the next episode. I don't want to. I don't want to step on the toes of the next episode. But what I would, I do want to say. Give us a teaser. Come on. Um, Monroe crushes Rufus King in this election. It's nothing compared to the electoral vote of the next election. Yeah, that's what I want to hear about. Which is going to be. It's the DDT of elections that yeah. <laughs> to choke out. <laughs> WWF reference. Yeah, That's yeah, a sorry. true story. It is. <laughs> so next time, we'll hear about that. Yeah, next time. I'll look forward to it. We've got to right. get another beer. Uh, I've, I've been, yeah, I've been running low here for the yeah, past Yeah, Eddie's already hour. had two. We've got to get our second one. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to come back next time. Next episode, you're going to hear about the election of 18. What are we at? 1820. Yeah. Okay. Election of 1820. Another Monroe election. Um, come back for that. And by the way, make sure you subscribe to us. Follow us on iTunes. Follow us on all of their podcast apps. Follow us on Twitter at Election and Beer. If you do that, and you get a thousand. Fo- if we get a thousand followers soon, Eddie's getting a tattoo. By the way, it's so a, worth it. Also, have Just a Facebook to see the page picture. out there. Close us out, man. See you next time. <laughs> yeah, you're the best at that. <laughs> the best. You're the best, Jerry. The best. <laughs> I, I like doing that just to see how much business you want. I know, I love it. I love it. All right, next time, guys. 